0: Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, daylight burners. Happy Monday. Uh some of you might be getting this on Tuesday. I'm a little late getting this one out, but you know what? You guys can piss off. I was at fucking Red Rocks watching Turnpike Troubadours with my lady on a full lunar eclipse beautiful night in colorado and had just a just a fantastic weekend in uh in denver got to hang out with aaron uh and my buddy tim and my jew buddy rob we got to meet him at the end of or the finish line of a marathon that he stupidly ran and um just a really really fun weekend and uh so that's why I'm a little bit late getting this out, but I had a good conversation here a couple of weeks ago with Ryan Betke. You might know him as uh rancher Ryan on Instagram and he's from uh Southern Idaho, uh Northeast Nevada area. <coughs> and, um, yeah, we had a good talk about ranching and, uh, some of this, uh, digital age, social media stuff. And I think you're going to like this one. So anyway, uh, hope you all had a had a good weekend hope you have a good week and uh, let's uh let's go ahead and get into the show
1: Looking pretty bright We'll get your ass moving you earth burning
0: This new Twitter purchase, uh, may, maybe it'll come back to more towards where what the internet used to be. Like I, I, uh, <coughs> I don't know. Hopefully, but it's uh, anyway. It's good to see see guys like you with uh, with a bunch of people following and, and not just following, but liking your stuff. And I see it shared around quite a bit. And I don't. Know, that's uh, it's always uh, like a little. Kind of bright light in the this crazy world that we live in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah,
2: like I say, I think people just like seeing what goes into all of it. It's just so foreign to most people. A lot of people grew up with like their dad was on a ranch or they were on a ranch, their mm -hmm. uncle, or go visit their grandparents and and have fond memories of it, but don't I don't know be able to see an actual ranch ranch life
0: i guess yeah well and so i, I was looking through your uh kind of through your stuff today and and we were talking earlier like I've, I've followed you for quite a while and you know we follow each other back and forth i always you know like i like your stuff i'll see see that you like some of mine and uh <clears throat> and then i didn't i for some reason i thought you were up in montana and then you're you're in and southern Idaho and northern Nevada. So you're not real... Full. I mean, Nevada's a pretty, pretty damn big state, but it's still within the same... I guess s- I
2: don't, Where are you? I don't even know where you're at.
0: <laughs> I'm uh, Smith Valley, Nevada, just uh, south of Tahoe, about an hour. Okay. And uh, so same state and everything, but yeah, Nevada's a big dang state. So it, it's, a, it's a pretty good haul over to your way. But um, now we we're like... It's, uh, I, th- I think, I think, uh, your site said you guys are six generations on, on, the on the ranch there and that, and you guys are the original wine cup ranch. Correct. Yep. Um, so like when, when, when did you guys settle in, in that, that area?
2: So my great, great grandpa settled in the, in Southern Idaho in the, goose creek area in
3: 1878
2: okay uh we've just kind of been in that area ever since my my great-great-grandpa had a lot of kids a lot of sons and they they branched out to the south there uh up the goose creek area and in the utah and nevada as well and uh still kind of where we're at between idaho and nevada
0: right on and uh that's um i know elko county is uh as uh, well last i i knew i it might have changed but that was the the number one cow calf producing uh county in the state and of course i mean it's a it's a massive county as far as land goes but there's a yeah it's a there's a lot of a lot of cattle up there and uh there's there's spots where, where it's really green and lush but there's also high desert and it's just it's pretty it's kind of barren out there but i'm mean, like most in nevada it's uh, when you get in the in the valleys and whatnot it's not you know when you got some water to irrigate it's it's pretty green and lush but you get away from the river and the valleys it's uh it's pretty harsh
2: yeah it, it's we're pretty high desert where we're at it's there's a lot of rock steep wouldn't be great for much besides cows or maybe sheep i guess but
0: yeah um so so how big um how big of a family did you have growing up and i'm talking like your you know aunts uncles cousins and everything uh, i'm just there there's a lot of similarities between like the the scotch irish families the mexican families the mormon families it was just uh <laughs> we need a lot of kids to to help around here. So we're we're gonna make a lot of babies real fast and then you know, we've got a lot of mouths to feed, but that also we got a lot of people making food for us too. So it's uh there's I, I'm guessing you guys you had a lot of first and second cousins.
2: Yeah, and like I say, my where my great great grandpa settled here. Um there, there's a lot of extended family. I've got a lot of first cousins, second cousins, third cousins, mm. fourth cousins, fifth cousins. There's a lot of cousins around. Um, I'm related to a lot of people in the area. Um, I, I'm the oldest of five kids. My dad, is a family of five kids. I have six kids, plenty of kids, I guess. That's kind of, for me, that's kind of what makes it all worth it, though, is just to be able to work with your family and have your kids there and teach them and watch them learn and I don't know, for me it's really rewarding we've, we've been in the middle of branding season the last couple of weeks and to watch my kids be able to be part of that and the, my my 8 and 9 year old now 10 year old uh, wrestle calves with the best of them and my daughters out there getting shots and my 7 year old wrestled a few calves, and my Anyway, my four year old right there. It just, it, it makes it all worth it for me. It's kind of what it's all about to have my kids there and to share that with them and teach them. It just makes it all worth it for me.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, well, it sounds like it. I mean, six generations, that's, uh, that's pretty rare anymore. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of people that love to say that they're fifth, sixth, seventh generation, but it truth is, like, just, most operations don't last that long. They they change hands at some point and six six generations, it sounds like you guys are going pretty strong. That's that's pretty impressive.
2: Well, we're trying. Uh of course every like <coughs> a lot of there's a lot of things that come with a business like that, a family business, and we're we try to been trying to adapt and make it so that we can keep doing it.
0: Yeah, I see you guys have, are are selling selling some beef on your own is uh is that is that more of a side project or is that something you're you're looking like to base your entire operation off of uh in the you know the years going forward
2: I think I think as much as we can we we want to move that direction I think that that's kind of the way that the market is going mm-hmm. on, I think that the big packers that take such a big chunk and any time that you can take take that back and take, get rid of some of them middlemen and handle it yourselves. If you can find a way to market it, I think that that's, I think that everybody ought to be looking towards doing more of that, <laughs> whether we'll get all of our calves processed through that or not. I don't know, but we'll, I think we're going to, we're going to push as hard as we can.
0: Yeah. I, I think I th- it sounds, it seems like, uh, just, just, I mean, glancing through your website and everything, like you've got pretty good bundles lined up and and whatnot. And and like, how 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 are you guys done on on shipping stuff? Have you been able to sell quite a bit locally, or do you, are you? Uh, has the shipping been an issue? I know a lot of people have that have encountered that. Anyways,
2: yeah, uh, of course, we've only been shipping for about a month. Oh, okay, a over a month. And uh but so far, so far it's been good. Uh everybody has gotten their their beef frozen and looking that's, good anyway. Uh having any issues with that. It's expensive. That's the problem is that it's it's so expensive to ship.
3: Oh man the freight it's freight on
2: it is so expensive and then the dry ice and your box and your insulation and all. It's just expensive
0: yeah they're, they're everything everything nowadays is just outrageous expensive but <clears throat> i i had been so i'm coming up on three years of doing this and i remember you know early on i was I was only a couple minutes in uh, a couple months into to recording these i i've started kind of pounding the table that you know because it all kind of i don't know if you remember but it was uh, like the Western Ag Reporter. Uh, I think that's what it's called. It's that that publication up out of Billings, uh, Montana, and like the Goggin family that that runs it. But they they started that Fair Cattle Markets campaign on Twitter, trying to get Trump's attention when he was in office to <coughs> maybe move something towards. Uh, I don't know. If, <sighs> that that was also kind of the problem with it. They didn't. It wasn't very clearly defined what what they were trying to accomplish. Um, but that, that's kind of when I, I waded into this whole debate because for, well, really since I'd left college, I just, I, I've been the hired man, you know, whether it be at a feedlot or a ranch or whatever, and <clears throat> had done, done some of the managerial stuff. But as far as like the, looking at the market, I had, I had really hadn't paid that much attention to it. Cause I was, I was getting paid either way. They weren't my cows. And then I kind of waded into this debate because I uh, had some people ask about it and man, what a, what a mess that turned out to be. Like, I uh, everybody can basically agree that the rancher's getting screwed, but I don't think there's two, two people in a, in a group of three or, you know, a group of 10. There are probably not two people that agree on what the ideal uh, solutions should be. And, and so therefore just nothing has, has changed. And I, uh, I kind of saw it from, from early on that like until there's uh like a big push to just not sell those packers, your cattle, nothing's really going to change. I, I don't, I don't care what happens on the, the legislative front, but until, until they're having to scramble to, to actually purchase cattle, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see a whole lot changing. And, uh, i don't know so i I think uh i think the more people that can just start selling their own uh i think that's better i think that's better for everybody involved i think it's better for the community it's better for the especially the the younger market i'm i'm kind of like the the gray-haired millennial generation um but like my generation and younger uh, the market trend has become they want to know where you're where you're your meat comes from they want to know it was raised uh, ethically they want to know it was uh, humanely slaughtered all that all that razzmatazz that everybody that we've kind of been doing tried to do uh, from the beginning of this whole deal but you know there's bad actors here and there um, yeah. but I think there's not a better way for to just build up our way of life than selling our own end product uh, at the end of the day that's the best way you tell your story
2: yeah and I, that's part of why well that's the main reason why we build up the instagram uh, uh page is just to be able to show people like the day-to-day like this is how the steak that i sent you this is what i did today <clears throat> and didn't make it yeah i'm now now i'm irrigating these fields and the hay you saw me feeding few months ago that I show videos of this is where it comes from. I, I grew it right here and I watered it just like this and I, my kids and I hauled the, the siphon tubes around, we put the dams in and that's what grew the hay that grew the cow that raised the calf That
3: mm-hmm. got
2: them. and so far I mean the the response has been pretty good people I it just makes, I think it makes the steak taste better. I think it's good beef I I think no I'll one, say you definitely no are,
0: you're selling grain finished beef. I, I saw, um, uh, I don't, I don't think I saw it mentioned anywhere, but you can tell with the, with that amount of marbling and, and the white fat, it looks like really good beef. I mean, it's, uh, that's almost the, the easy part nowadays is making good beef. It's, it's everything else in between, you know, like the, the product's pretty, pretty consistent at this point, you know, the genetics have got to where, like we we've, we've made a really good product here in the US and it's the marketing part that it seems like even though we have a no problem selling it it just seems like we're always fighting an image even though ni- i think it's ni- last i saw was like 95% of the country eats eats beef in particular i think it's like 99% of the country eats meat and and 95% of the country eats beef but for whatever reason we've got that stigma around us that you know, PETA's done their best to to drag her name through the mud, and then there's been some actors that haven't haven't helped our cause at all either. And uh, I think there's we got really as a as a business, I guess uh, the the cattlemen in particular got really complacent on uh, on just taking their calves to the sale or selling them on the video auction or whatever and expecting just to kind of make do every year. And then like, I just haven't seen a whole lot of a lot of operators really, really shift to like the to meet the market. You know, they they haven't like you're now starting to see a lot of people on on social media. But, boy, there was a lot of people that were slow to the game on that and. I think you guys are a good example of uh, the response you can have, uh, <clears throat> especially if, uh, you know, w- when when you don't have a, a whole bunch of censorship uh, involved, like when, when your stuff is just to get, is able to get out there organically. And people, people like what we do. Um, yeah. But so it, it just, I don't know. Uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on, on how, how everything's going nowadays? I've, have you, have you followed this, uh, oh, is it the cattle price discovery and transparency act? Have you followed any of that?
2: Not a lot. I, I, I've heard little bits here and there. Honestly, I've been so busy trying to get our deal going that I haven't paid a lot of attention to it. But what you say is true. I mean, you could get complacent, <laughs> but if you think about it, like if you sell wiener calves you you sell them to somebody who's got grass in Texas Mm -hmm. or California or something like that so those guys take them that's one and they put however many pounds on them and then maybe they'll sell them to somebody who's got a feed yard and they Mm. put they finish them off and they sell them to the packers and then they slaughter them and they break them up and they send them out to a butcher Mm -hmm. or to somebody You can process it more and then they'd sell it to a grocery store or to a restaurant or whatever. And so there's like five people, if you're selling wiener calves that are making a living off of your calves before they even end up at somebody else's house.
3: Yep. And,
2: And so obviously, I think if you can do it, if you can work through the logistics, um, to fatten them up yourself and to sell them. And that's not simple because backgrounding calves takes a takes some takes either hay or takes grass, and when you're in a place like we're at, I mean, it it, it's going to take some some growth to be able to do that with all of them.
3: Yeah. But
2: anyway, if you can get through the logistics of that and get through the logistics of marketing, then I think you can you can make it make it work but there's fun there's a lot of logistics to get there but i oh man i I think that it's worth it's worth investigating and worth working on it even if you're not shipping it even if you're just selling like quarters halves and whole share of beef we do that as well i think that's a it's easier money you don't make as much but it's easier and then you can service your Mm -hmm. local people and i like getting to do that too so
0: yeah, it works good on the rural populations. Uh um you you get more into the urban settings and people just don't have the freezer space for for a half or a whole, it's, you know, even a quarter a lot of times, but yeah, like I said, you don't you don't make as as much and it's also it's a lot harder to get somebody to commit to uh, you know, to a half or, or a whole. Um but people that have done it for years, they know they know the upfront expense, but they also know how much money you save in the long run as well when <clears throat> I mean we've it's it's hard to go back to the grocery store and get beef like like you said, you don't know exactly where it came from, you know. I, I I generally trust uh you know, our our food supply chain as far as especially on on the on the beef end. I I've, I've worked in and around the you know I the only place I haven't been has been on the the actual kill floor of the of the uh a slaughterhouse but I've been I've been on the the back end at you know I worked at um Beef Products International which uh I don't know if they're still in operation anymore or not, but they they were the ones that got in trouble for the you know the pink slime stuff, the lean, finely textured beef and they they found out a way to to use trimmings. It's not the most appetizing way how they they get through it, but at the end of the day, it's still. I mean, it's a, a partially cooked beef product. <sighs> yeah, but a lot of people just yeah. don't. It's it's not real appetizing to look and see how how the sausage is made, so to speak. But at the end of the day, you you got you make you use every part of that animal, and it's uh, part of the reason why we got you know, real cheap hamburgers all across, all across the country. And like I said, generally I, I, I trust all of that, but if you give me a choice between McDonald's hamburger or a, a tube that I pulled out of my own freezer that I have watched that, that animal grow up and then fed him and doctored him and all of that, I'll take the tube. It's only got one animal in it. You know, it's a, it's, it's a better product. It's a more, you know, and like I said, I, I then maybe that's just me being the, the millennial or it might just be me being proud of what I do, but I like knowing where it came from. And <clears throat> I, I buy steers from, from a guy that feeds cattle with us here at this, at our, at our yard. And cause I know he has good cattle and he sells beef, you know, quite a little bit of beef for just, uh, for what he does. You know, he does, he'll, he'll do 10, 15 head a year, which is, you know, one, one beef at a time. That's a pretty good year. And, uh, and so i know he's i know his his cattle grade well, and so i've i buy i buy steers from him i know our our feed program is really good, and that it turns out good beef and if I don't sell any eh, i'll eat it i'm not i'm not worried about that we we'll, uh, we got we got two growing kids and they'll uh they'll eat it you know more and more of it uh, in the the years to come so get' them used to it now
2: yeah my my kids will slam some beef it's it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Food to feed these little kids. They, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty hearty appetite and sometimes they'll eat more than I will. It's just.
0: Never yeah. Ending I, I know what you mean. Um, so 1878, you guys break ground on your, on your home place there or, uh, you know, or you settle there and, uh, so that, that would have been, you'd been in, I, I guess I wouldn't say like the later stages of the, of the, the Mormon exodus, but it'd been like Salt Lake City was well established by that point. And, and a lot of Utah was, I wouldn't say well settled, but there was a lot of settlements in, into Utah and, uh, what, what kind of drove your family into to that part of the world? It was just expanding out from the, the Salt Lake ba- Valley or?
2: So my great great grandpa was not, uh, part of the Mormon.
3: Oh,
0: okay. He
2: was, he, he was on his own. He, uh, immigrated from Germany. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly on the dates, but quite a bit before that and landed in New York and ended up coming around Cape Horn and made it to California. And,
0: oh, that's, he took the long uh, way around. Yeah, he did.
2: I, I don't have any uh firsthand sources on it, but there's second hand sources saying that he used to talk about how crazy of the journey that was to come around.
0: I can imagine. Time. I uh I had to read that um I forget the guy's name, uh, but the book's just called Hawaii. Um shoot, I can't remember his name. But he did like he's a guy that wrote Centennial and uh he he had a whole series like Texas, Oklahoma, Montana they're i mean th- this book was like 1300 pages long but they uh you know he went through that whole uh ship voyage around around cape horn and everything and then uh, cuz cape horn south america cape what's the it's like the cape of good hope is south africa i think but either way both of them were were kind of the same i mean especially down there south america cuz you're you're only Couple hundred miles from Antarctica, when you go around the the tip there, and yeah, there there was talk like there's times where ships would have to wait like months on end before the weather would would let up to to let them go through there. That, you had to be tougher back then. You just like you didn't have much of a choice.
2: Yeah, it was a different different kind of people for sure. He yeah, did that and then went and tried to do little mining. Decided he didn't like that. So then he got some uh, cows and started providing milk and beef to the miners and then decided he'd go try it somewhere else. And he made it into Montana, or excuse me, Wyoming for a while. And then I think he even was in Montana for a bit, but then came through southern Idaho on his way back the southern direction and decided he liked it, ended up coming over here. And then my great-great-grandma's family were part of the Mormon Pioneers, and they got sent up from Bi- <coughs> Brigham Young to settle this area. Oh, okay. Uh, like two years after he had settled here. And uh, so my my uh, great-great-grandpa actually predates the Mormon settlement here by a little bit. So
0: that's, yeah, so he was... there Because there weren't really any... Any settlements in that part of the world there was he had uh the- Will- Willamette Valley up in oregon and oh you had a you had like a few forts and stuff up in in kind of like central idaho but yeah that yeah that part of the world there it was mostly Indians that's about it,
2: yeah, yeah there's some record of him having to coexist with Indians a little bit there being i I don't know all the stories, but it sounds like there was a little bit of an uprising there and a lot of people laughed but he ended up sticking around and figuring out how to be, be with them.
0: <laughs> you know it's uh it's funny how how different like the I, i'd say the mormons did it as good as as any of the other white folks when it came to like getting along with with the indian tribes i mean i'm not saying they had a great relationship but compared to Basically, the rest of the white settlers—that's that, about as good as as it got—was the relationship between like the the Paiutes and the and the, the the early Mormons. But I think I think the in particular Brigham Young realized like you we can't just exterminate all these people. We, we don't we don't have enough of our own people, so we got to figure out how to get along. And then of course there's uh, the whole uh, the Lamanite uh, deal with, you know, from the, from the book of Mormon and everything. So that, that, you know, played a part into it as well. But I, I don't know, just, just from a historical standpoint, that seemed to be like one of the less contentious relationships among all the white settlers and in the, the Indian tribes during the, you know, the westward expansion. Yeah.
2: Um, I don't know too much about all that history, but yeah, I mean, seems like they, they got along as good as anybody did
0: <laughs> yeah i that's what i'm saying i don't i don't th- i don't think they had the you know just uh they weren't best of friends but they they sure fared a lot better than than other settlers and uh um no it, it's it's interesting so um what what kind of cattle did they did your family run uh back in those early days
2: Furfords. they so, up until I was pretty young and maybe just a little before that, it was, it was a straight Hereford.
0: Yeah. Where they horned, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that That was kind of common in a lot of different places. Uh, They, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming like just about everybody else, you've moved into more black headed cattle. Uh,
2: We still have quite a bit of Hereford in our cow herd. Mm -hmm. Um, but most of our bulls these days are, are Angus. And, yeah, uh, a lot of the cows are Angus. There's a lot of balling cattle, a lot of redneck, blackneck cattle.
0: Yeah, yeah. That uh, that the Angus is a really good herd. But boy, they they had a just an excellent marketing team, <laughs> and yeah. they they've successfully shifted the entire cattle industry to to black-hided. But there there's a uh, I don't know, that, that Hereford was a good breed. The Horn Hereford's a pretty pretty good old mama cow.
2: Yeah, i like to say the Angus people have done an awesome job. If you go to even go to McDonald's and they say Angus Burger. And mm-hmm. it, man, this is going to be something different or special, but I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. it's good. Maybe it's
3: the...
2: Anyway, it, it, they did a good job, and for that reason, the buyers like them more. mm Kind of what's driven it a little bit, but they have good cattle I and mean, the genetics are good. So,
0: yeah, it's. Uh, I guess you guys get. an I assume it gets pretty hot up there at times, but you you guys are known for some some pretty cold winters up in that that part of the world. So, um, that there is there a lot of eared cattle around around that part of the world, or mostly kind of no. English continental stuff.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of ear in this part of the country. There I didn't.
0: I some. wouldn't figure you guys are far enough north that you you kind of need some. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's kind of what I was I was figuring. Um, and and so that this this place and has, has it essentially uh, kind of stayed the same same general geographic area the whole time your, your family's been on it, or is it like big expansions and stuff over the years, or is it just kind of generally the same, same area?
2: Uh, the same area, but as I told you before, I can't remember if we were live when I told you, but my great, great grandpa had several sons and they expanded to the South there. Okay. South of of Oakley and into Utah and Nevada. So my, My great grandpa was the one who purchased the, the wine cup, the old wine cup ranch in Nevada. So that was a, that wasn't part of the original. And then my grandpa, uh, bought some other, uh, bought some other stuff and switched some other stuff around. And my dad and my uncle continued expanding. So we've, each generation has tried to expand and kind of change a few things here and there. and now, I feel like maybe my, part of my contribution to it'll be to to help move it into more of a direct to consumer model.
0: Yeah. Now, do you guys uh, do you guys feed feed out your calves uh, there? Or do you do you send them to to a feedlot somewhere? Or?
2: We've got a guy who's just north of us, not too far, um, who feeds cattle. He's always fed a few for us. He usually has fed, or often has fed, like what we would eat on ourselves, mm-hmm. and he's always done a really good job. So it was kind of a natural, natural fit to, to go to him. He, like I said, he does a really good job. They yeah, get, they get good and marble, good and fat, and that's how we like him.
0: Yeah, it's that feeding's a little. uh There's a little more to it than a lot of people realize. I mean, it's it's not hard to get something fat, but to get to do it economically and, and make sure they marble like they're supposed to. It's uh it ta- there it takes a little bit and, I don't know, it, it makes a difference when, like when you got a good feed and, and, uh, and everything comes along at, you know, especially at the rate you want them to. And then, then when you, you know, you get the steak out there and it's, it's marbled up like you want it. But yeah, there's a little more to it than, than just throwing some grain out in front of them and let them have at it. It's uh but, yeah, it's, it's funny how there's a, like, well, take your, your operation, High Desert. <clears throat> if, if, if it was still the old days where you'd, you'd raise a steer to three or four years old till it got to slaughter weight and then drive him to the railhead. And I, I would imagine your herd size would shrink pretty considerably just, just from the sheer amount of groceries available out there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh. I don't know that, that grass finished deal is kind of a, it's worked its way back in. And I guess there's people that like that stuff, but man, it, uh, there, there's sure a lot better way to do things or at least, at least get a little more out of, out of your, out of the country when, when you can, uh, when when you can send your cattle off somewhere to to feed them, to finish them out, you know, that, that just, it saves so much, uh, so much feed and uh stress on on the land and whatnot it's uh i don't
2: know i, I, I just I, we need to do a oh go ahead i was just can say we need to do a good job or a better job because talking about that marketing deal like the angus people have done the grass-fed marketer guys are going over and under to try to make that seem like that's the thing and that's so much better for the environment and it's so much healthier and so much the <laughs> flavor but like i don't know i i think in a blind taste test we'd win every time
0: <laughs> i so think so too
2: so i think we need to keep up the push on the marketing on that cuz heaven forbid we get to the point where everybody thinks everything has to be grass grass finished it is just not
0: well, that, that's when people will start eating bugs on a regular basis because there's just not going to be enough beef to go around. <laughs> the, there's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think people realize like how much how much more grass it takes to to finish out a, a steer. You know, if you're, if say you're finish, yeah.
2: Quote unquote, finish is not a finish. It's not like a. It's not like they will grow and be as big
3: and I don't know.
0: You, you might be exactly. able to get one to, you know, 11, 1200 pounds, but after that, then they're just, I mean, yeah, that's, and then, I, I don't know if, if that's your thing, that's your thing, but it's, uh, it's horribly inefficient and I just, I don't think it tastes all that good either. Yeah. <laughs> if well, if
2: each their own, there's, there's people who like it and I, whatever, I don't, I don't care.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and, and yeah, that's not to disparage any anybody that raises raises grass fed, grass finished, all that. That's as long as people are eating meat, that's you know, that's that's a good thing. I, I just I think there's a we've we've covered we've figured out a pretty good way to to feed and, and produce cattle to produce good high quality beef here. And uh <clears throat> I I think the the whole packer consolidation and the vertical integration deal is a real problem that is going to have to be addressed in some way or another. I don't I don't trust the government enough to get get them involved, but I also I don't know what the what the solution is there, but at the, the end of the day we just like the best thing we can do is is show show how we do this stuff and how and why and we're able to produce such a good product. And uh, make ourselves a little more likable uh, at the same time. That uh, that always helps. Yep. So I don't know. It's it's one of those things that the the, the Cowboys never really gone out of fashion here in the U.S. So I I'd, I'd like to kind of try to keep it that way, even if that means <laughs> you know you get some some crappy television shows that uh, people really like, or I I think they're pretty decent television shows, but. Um, Either way, that that's that's still for the most part portraying what we do in a good light, and that's a that's a good thing. And uh, and now when you can get guys like like me and you and and everybody else that's that's you know trying to show what we do on on social media, and <clears throat> I think that that helps as well. And I, I think I think that'll do more to to help our situation than the, any of these legislative. Uh, solutions that they're proposing. I don't, I, I've i lost a lot of faith in anything that the government can do. So, uh, yeah. I, I think we might as well give it a shot on our own.
2: Yeah. Well, you can worry about that stuff a lot. There's a, I mean, there's a lot to worry about. There's a lot, mm-hmm. to re, a lot to stir up, but at the end of the day, like, I think the best thing is to just go out and do something. Yeah. I mean, you can only you can only control what you can control and you can only your your sphere of influence is your sphere of influence you can grow grow that but anyway i don't can't go outside
0: yeah well um so on 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 your place uh you you guys get uh you have like cow camps way out way down in the middle of nowhere uh and I assume like a lot of your stuff is on, on a uh, grazing allotments and whatnot, just being given the, the lay of the country out there. So I I'm, I imagine you guys are a long ways from, from anywhere.
2: Yeah. Uh the, the wine cup ranch that's there in the Northeast corner of Elko County mm-hmm. is probably 45 miles from the nearest town, 42, 40. There's, there's a town in, in Oakley or in Idaho, Oakley, mm-hmm. and there's Jackpot, Nevada, and there's Grouse Creek, Utah, and it's it's a, at least an hour to get to any of those. Yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty out there, but we, we have a, a house. We stay, I've been staying out there quite a bit ever since COVID hit uh, and they canceled school. We, we just went to homeschooling, mm-hmm. but we've been able to stay out there for the last couple of years pretty consistently come back on the weekends of course this uh ship and beef thing has kind of wrecked that a little bit because we got to be in in town to ship beef yeah but anyway but so yeah that's pretty it's pretty out there
0: um so like when you're shipping uh, i guess uh it always kind of go goes back to like how close you are to a one of their major hubs and I, I would assume either UPS or FedEx and that's kind of, it's basically Salt Lake or Reno or the uh, kind of the big, or are you guys closer to a, a distribution center than, than that? Or? Um,
2: I think most of it goes to Salt Lake. It's mm-hmm. out of Salt Lake, I think. Um, there may be some out of Boise. <laughs> okay. Pacific Northwest might go through Boise, but, uh, there's a, there it's not uh like an airport hub but there's a i guess i call it a hub i don't know what the proper term is they're about a half hour north of us okay i take i take the boxes and drop them off there okay they get right on the the truck that heads to the
3: airport
0: okay so yeah so you got a like a pretty decent outlet there that that's that's handy i know I know some, a buddy of mine from, I grew up in Southeast Colorado and, uh, and he, him and his, his wife are, are selling direct to consumer and they've mostly just done local and like farm, uh, farm, mar- farmer's market and stuff. They're kind of local and semi local just because they're so far away from, a a shipping hub that it just shipping's just even more astronomical down there. And, <coughs> I tell you what that was one thing uh Brigham Young had figured out was logistics. He he was a master of that stuff. He uh whether whether it was the railroad or uh I think he had a he had a couple different mail services that he uh, that him and uh him and the the Mormon Church elders had started like they that guy was a master of logistics uh, from what I've what I've read about them. They just I don't know. It's it's uh, that's that stuff's pretty important when you get out into you know utah and nevada and idaho and we it's just a long way to anywhere that uh logistics really that really kind of it'll bite you in the ass if you don't if you don't have a good solution
2: yeah well i definitely that's definitely the biggest challenge uh as far as for the shipping details just Having the boxes that you need to ship, and having the, just having all of the things that you need to send it. Um, yeah, and then the the beef has to be if you're going to ship it and sell it retail like that, you have to have it processed at a USDA inspected facility. Yep, and there's not a lot of those in Idaho, so I'm I'm hauling steers to get slaughtered at like three hours away, which is kind of a pain, and then you have to get the have to haul it up and then you have to haul the meat back somehow mm-hmm. and we're still kind of playing around trying to find the best way to do that I've we rented a a reefer trailer and hauled hauled it back ourselves but anyway that takes the whole day and
3: yeah
2: used to, you have to rent the trailer and you got fuel to do it and then we've also tried uh, to freight it have a freight company bring it here and that Save time, but was more expensive. So it's just we're still kind of fine-tuning that and trying to get that in an easier, cheaper way. And it'd be awesome if somebody'd go ahead and open up a, a closer plant. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's still worth it, and it it's it, it is what it is. But the, the logistics are definitely the thing that could make or break you for sure.
0: Oh, for sure. That's, uh, it, it's, uh, and, and for the, the people like just kind of branching out into, you know, I guess what, what they call it, like the early adopter class of people that and it's not like we're doing anything new. We're we're doing the same thing we've always done, which is sell, sell good meat to, to people. But it's, uh, so it's, uh, we're, we kind of gone backwards where we, we tried the whole vertical integration deal and it's, It's still very much there, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of the the easiest ways to to get a little more bang for your buck on your cattle is to, is to sell the end product on your own rather than, you know, like you were saying before, selling to a a feeder guy who sells them to, to a feedlot who then sells them to one of the big packers and, you know, you've got all those steps in between and it's, uh, Yeah. It's, it's hard now. I'm trying to get that to scale. You know, it just takes more people to do the same thing. And then eventually that'll free up some of the the logistical, you know, the market will kind of take care of that. But until, until you get a, you know, a flood of people trying to, trying to sell their own beef, you know, I think the, the logistics is going to be the biggest issue for, for a while. But I don't know if I, I think, I think it's a worthwhile venture. I think, Honestly, I think that in my my personal opinion, I think that's the the one biggest thing we can do as the you know, as the cattle producing cowboy ranching world is to sell more of our own end product and you know, get away from those big corporate you know, goliaths. We need them. They I mean they they kill a lot of cattle. You got to have them, but <laughs> the more we can get away from them, the more they're going to have to compete and that just that in the Delta. long run, that's, that's where I think where it has to, to go. So it's good. It's, I don't know. I, I always try to try to highlight folks like yourself that are, you know, trying, trying something different instead of just bitching about the Packers <laughs> for, for all of our, it's, uh, the, the Packers have become the, you know, the cattle industry's Vladimir Putin. You can just, you can blame everything on the Packers at some point and, <laughs> And I don't know, it's, uh, so I don't know, I think, I think that's kind of the solution going forward. Not that it's a great solution, but it's at least one option, uh, that folks have. And I, I don't know, I, you, uh, when, when you do get some people buying, buying your product and they realize what a, what a good product it is. then the word of mouth, that's, uh, has always been the best advertising there is and, it, uh, once once that happens, then you're you know you're out of beef, and you're 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 telling people to hold off. I got to wait a couple couple months until I got anything ready, and then you know then you have a whole open a whole new set of challenges. Then, but those those are the good challenges.
2: Yeah. Well, maybe we have those kinds of problems? Uh, we're, it, I mean, it's a new business, so it takes it takes time to grow up. But like I say, the response has been really good, and those, I've had a lot of people reorder. I think uh, you have a you show how it how it gets made and you share that part of the story with people and I think it makes makes the beef beef taste better. I mean i I like knowing a little bit about the beef I'm eating. Yeah. So I I think other people enjoy that and if it's good beef and and they feel like they could take part a little bit and just a tiny bit of in the raising of it, then I think that it, it helps. It's good for everybody. It's good for everybody to know where their food comes from, and yeah, food this as well.
0: I, I think so. I think you know, on our end, we've not done a a great job over the last fifty, sixty years or so of like keeping the urban population in touch with with uh, the. That's. I th- think that may have been the biggest uh, the biggest issue between. People throughout history is just the, the rural versus the urban, you know. That they're, they're, and yeah, we society has got so far away from no having to know where their food comes from that, and and we've been too busy trying to raise that food to tell people about it and why it's important and whatnot. And oh, we had a we had a real big opportunity with the with the COVID stuff to to kind of enlighten some people. And we did a decent enough job. I think, I'm, I think we did the best we could with, uh, given the times, but there, you know, when, when people walked into Walmart and saw the, the meat shelves empty, like that, that way that woke a lot of people up and you saw a lot of, a lot of ranchers be able to, to start something, uh, just from out of sheer demand that, that people had. It's, that that if anything that was uh that was one of the brighter spots of the this whole covid deal was seeing that like not only do people still want beef but they're they're willing to go talk to a rancher to get some too and uh i, I, I saw a lot of a lot of people that i knew from from urban areas uh posting on social media where can i where can i get some steak and uh and the good thing was there was a lot of ranchers saying hey I got you. Yeah. I got you some. And, uh, so yeah. I don't know. That was, uh, it was, it was a good, uh, I, well, mean, it was a, it was a terrible situation, but there was, there was always some, there's always some good that comes out of stuff like that. And I thought that was, that was one of the brighter spots of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to some of the weaknesses in the supply chain and in in their own sourcing of food. I think a lot of people started growing more gardens. I think maybe people want to hear more of what ranchers and farmers had to say and I think I think it's important to just get good information out there. I think there's so much crap out there that just, just putting good information out there and yeah, there there's gonna be some crazy vegans that wanna come and talk crap on the page, but I I honestly try to answer any questions that are that are asked. If people are asking questions, I try to answer them. I think think there's people out there who just maybe, like for example, I've been posting branding stuff, and I've had a few people just asking why why don't you just tag them, or why don't you just why don't you microchip them? and, And it's a good opportunity to be able to to teach a little bit and to share, like what ranching is like in a high desert situation where there's tens of thousands of acres or uh, you tell people about how it's legally required for us to turn out on this ground that we turn out on to have our cattle branded.
0: Yeah, marked appropriately because it depends on, on your, you know, each person's operation. But, you know, a lot of times that brand comes with a set of earmarks or chin waddles or whatever, you know, and yeah, to be... To be legal and, you know, in the up and up, all of that has to happen, especially when you're turning out on public land. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's always more to it than, than, uh, just, uh, torturing calves. I mean, it's it's, not
2: like we're just a bunch of rednecks out here doing archaic torture, whatever. I mean, there's reasons for it. Yeah. There's good reasons for it. and we do what we have to do to be able to stay in business and to raise good cattle. And, uh, anyway, people just need to see it. And, uh, and I think just putting it out there is good.
0: I think so too. I, there's always some people that'll, uh, I, I've gotten trouble, uh, posting videos from time to time. Uh, and, and I, I understand where they're coming from. I don't necessarily agree with, uh, you know, my bosses at times that, you know, but, I understand where they're coming from. But I think at the the end of the day, if you're, you're putting out something that has a, and you're, if you're able to put out why you're doing something, have good reasons for it, you don't don't necessarily have to explain everything. But like you said, if somebody's got a question, if you've got a good answer to it, that, that goes so much, much farther than, than a lot of folks realize, because it's not just the person that you're answering. It's all the other people that can see that reply. And when you're not being an asshole to them, which is kind of fun online, we all know it can be, but it's a lot better off when you can you can just answer the question directly and succinctly and eloquently, and and provide good reasoning behind it. That that goes a long ways because even though the city folks don't know what the hell we're doing, they're still normal, rational, logical thinking people for the most part, and uh, and we also we want to make sure that they keep buying our product because that that's kind of how we stay, stay in business. So it's, uh, th- those repeat customers are always the most important. The, the first timers, you you always want those, but you want them to come back because, because uh, you got a good product and huh, when you're an asshole to them, then uh, they don't have much incentive to come back. So even though it, was, it might be fun for a little bit, you might, you, you end up losing business that way. And I, Sometimes there's a fine line knowing who who to to talk nasty to and who to who to answer directly and appropriately. But I don't know. It's social media. It's kind of a mess. It always has been. Probably always will be. But if you can, I don't. I guess it's if you treat people online like you'd treat them on in in person. That goes a long ways too.
3: Yeah,
2: that's the thing. Sometimes it blows me away as people come and say
0: the worst
3: stuff
2: ridiculous stuff that like you'd get stomped into a hole if you came and said that to some people around here right but but because you can't see them and you don't know who they are and don't know where they live you go you feel like you can just say whatever like yeah ugly ugly stuff like i can't even imagine some of the stuff that's been said but like just the keyboard courage that people
0: have. Oh, it's, it's insane. It's insane. And well, then it it ends up sometimes, not always, probably not as much as I'd like, but then there's times where you get punched in the face by Mike Tyson on an airplane because you're, you're too used to just, of just saying stuff with no repercussions. And eventually you're going to, you're going to run into somebody that doesn't, doesn't take so kindly to it. And, but I, I don't know it's people will say the worst worst stuff online but yeah it's it's hard not to feed into that sometimes but you realize that yeah, hey i've
2: been are the line the wrong direction a couple times yeah catch me in the wrong catch me in the wrong mood i might say something a little snappy
0: i i hear you i'm i'm the same way but i i i, I always try to if I do something like that, I at least try to say it in the way that it's going to get a laugh, (laughs) you know, that it might piss the person off that I'm talking to, but it it gets a laugh one way or the other without making you sound like too big of a jerk. I guess that's the best way to go, but I don't know. It's, uh, I, I think, I think the best thing you can do is just, I, I, I've said it for a while on this show is like, we, we've got to stop waiting for somebody to come tell our story for us. And just we have in this little deal here, you know, the power of all human information ever at our fingertips so we could use it for, for some good. And, uh, so I, I'm glad to see guys like you, uh, doing it and doing it well and, and having people respond to it. That's always a, it's always a, a good thing to see.
2: Yeah well it's been it's been fun to do and been fun to meet lots of cool people I mean there's a lot of people out there who are just legitimately interested in the life and interested in knowing where their food comes from and i've I've made a lot of really good friends with with people just just chatting just mm-hmm. asking them. some of them have become customers now, and it's just it's been a good experience to be able to talk with them and uh, teach and to just meet good people.
0: I agree. That's one of the... well, it's probably the coolest thing about starting this podcast has been able to to just meet some really really excellent people and, uh, and be able to have have guys like you on it and tell uh, the I uh, one of the reasons I started started this because there wasn't anybody telling good cowboy stories uh, on podcasts. There was people with cowboy in the title, but it was either you know motivational or something i just what no like i wanted to hear cowboy stories from guys that were out there doing it and because those are the those are the best stories i've ever heard in my life or just or just and they're never stories when things go well it's always when 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 stuff doesn't go according to plan and uh oh your your horse your horse busts into or a cow busts through the fence or whatever whatever it is there's always those are when the best stories happen and you don't get those from a guy sitting behind a, a a computer in a cubicle. You get those from a guy that's on the back of a horse and that's, those, those are the stories I like hearing and being able to have guys that, that work a horseback for a living that, that, that raise cattle for a living and, and be able to tell those stories and get them out to a broader audience has been the cool part. And then just meeting, meeting just really, really good people through it and, <laughs> that, that's what it's all about—is uh, getting to talk to good people.
2: Yeah, and there's good people everywhere. We, yep. we, we try to make it seem like maybe it's not that way, I guess, but but there are everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's good people.
0: Yeah, I think so. And if you if you turn off the news every now and then, and and look up from social media, and you'll like you go into town and realize that people still get along pretty decently for the most part. It's, uh, uh, some of the, sometimes the anger is really, really superficial and people are just people. Yeah. But, um, man, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, where, where can everybody find all your stuff, uh, and then get a hold of him?
2: So, uh, my personal page is just at rancher Ryan on Instagram. All right. And then, uh, if you want to follow our, our beef business, uh, that, that, uh, page is at Hat Brand Beef. Okay. And the Hat Brand is what we brand all our steers with, and that's what our beef company is called. Nice. Big Bottoms brand. So Hat Brand Beef on Instagram and on Facebook. And our website is www.hatbrandbeef.com. Awesome, find me
0: well we'll uh we'll send everybody your way, hopefully you get a few more orders and uh I'm sure you'll get a you'll get a handful of follows if nothing else and I don't think my crowd will yell at you if they do it'll be because uh it wasn't cowboy enough that's that's usually what they'll yell at you about but yeah every, everybody everybody every cow hand thinks somebody else is doing something that ain't cowboy enough, so you'll probably get right. a few of those
2: but got a head, head and heel instead of snag and drag or
3: something like
0: that. Yeah. some There's always an argument to be had and uh, we're the only ones allowed to partake in that argument though. The outside world can, they, they have to stay out. It's a, yeah. uh, that's cow handle only arguments, but I uh, appreciate your time, man. Uh, thanks yeah. everybody for tuning in. Um, make sure you go follow all the social medias. Uh, if you followed me Enough by now you know where we're at. All my stuff is up on on the screen as well, so anyway, thanks for tuning in uh and move your ass. We're burning daylight.